Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Christine Heath. I'm coming to you from uh, the beautiful state of Hawaii, and I'm here today with my uh, uh, comrade in arms and very best friend and uh, sister. She's a she's a soul sister. Um, yeah. Judy Sedgman, and I'm in Pittsburgh, and I always wanted a sister, and then I met Christine, so I felt the same way that, you know, oh, if I had a sister, this is the sister I would pick. Really, really. It's yeah. a it's a great friendship we have. And we get a lot of feedback from people about how people enjoy the the feeling that we have between the two of us. And, and I guess there's probably nobody more grateful than us that we right. that we have that friendship because I do a lot better when I'm working with somebody else. I'm I'm not much to do much on my own and it's so been so great to be able to do this work with such a articulate, intelligent, and um, wonderful, loving person as Judy. What she said. (laughs) I feel the same way. And I love working with other people because we kind of, we learn from each other as we go, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's the fun part, isn't it? It's like you you get to listen and and be the student instead of be the teacher. It's a lot more fun. Um, So today, speaking of teacher and listener, we thought we would talk about overthinking because it seems to be an epidemic these days with people. And um, we have lots of, uh, we've talked about busy mind, having a busy mind and, you know, being busy in your head. But there's kind of a way that people look at overthinking as uh, necessary to get through life whether it's like professionally, you have to be thinking about everything and do everything perfect. And, you know, you have to, you know, be great at whatever you do. And it appears to us anyway, that it looks to people that the way to do that is to think about it. So people frequently come in for various reasons. I mean, you could, people could come in with marriage problems and, or with work problems or with, uh, health problems, all kinds of things that people uh, come in with. But frequently, the biggest problem they have is that they think too much. And they're just constantly thinking about their life, analyzing it, going over the details, you know, trying to solve the problems that they're creating in their own mind, and uh, trying to get through life by doing that. So we just thought we'd... Uh, we both have had quite a few clients in the last couple of weeks that are have been really big on over overthinking because this is January of 2023, if you're listening to this in the future. Um, but we just went through the holidays and people, for some reason, decide they should be stressed during the holidays. And they get a really busy mind trying to think of every present for who they have to give it to and where they have to go, what parties they have to do. And their minds get super busy, and then they kind of spin out. Mm-hmm. 
So we've had, I mean, I've had, you know, like, um, domestic violence issues and, um, uh, people that are fighting with their parents or, you know, people that are just having trouble getting along with their coworkers because they don't agree on, on projects or whatever, but everybody's kind of like going way too fast in our, in our Mm -hmm. world. Yeah, it, you know, the the thing about overthinking that always strikes me is that it starts out when somebody who's having some situation in their life, it doesn't matter what it is, and they had an insight about it, and then they immediately start going, well, why did I think of that? You know, maybe that would work, but maybe it won't work. Well, somebody else, has anyone ever tried that? I should check with my friends. And then they start looking it up or they Google it. That's a lot of, now a lot of overthinking results from the ease of Googling. <laughs> and people like, they start reading all these Google posts and they go, oh, this, but that, and this, and that. And the next thing you know, they're, they're just so overwrought that they've forgotten what the idea was in the first place. It's kind of like they lost the magic of an insight. You know, they kind of get the content, but the magic is gone, the feeling that comes with an insight. And, um, you know, I had that recently with a person who was having trouble with um, a teenager um, in their family and um, and had, had the idea, you know, I, I just haven't really looked. It was an older teenager. Just haven't looked to see that this person is almost an adult and I'm still treating him like a little child. And, uh, which was a great insight. And then, and then she goes to Google and looks up, you know, like how children's brains develop and at what age do they start maturing? And, you know, at the age that her person was, you know, what, what do they not know? What do they know? And the next thing you know, she's like, well, in many ways they are like a child. I still have to think about that. And then how should I divide my time with them? And honestly, this person was off to the races. And I said, how about just loving the person? How about just looking at the person with love and listening to them and seeing where they're mature and where they're not? You know, kind of picking up on on what they're still curious about in life, what they don't understand and, and what they're getting great ideas about. Oh, well, oh, you know, this person is like, it stopped, it stopped her in her tracks because she couldn't imagine herself uh, actually learning from listening to a teenager. So she had to, you know, Google it and look it up and think about it and figure it out and analyze it and ask, ask her friends. And the last thing that occurred to her was to quiet down and maybe just have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with that teenager and listen. Yeah. You know, when, when I tell people frequently, I tell people just to quiet down and listen and you'll know what to do. You just have to slow down. Sometimes it takes them months to to yeah. consider that that's an option because mm-hmm. their thoughts are so compelling. And it's such a habit for us to try to figure everything out in our lives so that we'll be happy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole reason behind a busy mind is we're, we're, we're just thinking so much. We come up with all these things to do and then we keep going faster and faster. It's like, being on a treadmill and and you keep pushing the button to go faster and then you're running you're running 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 so fast until you go so fast you fall on your face and 
frequently that's when we see people, they've fallen on their face because they've just been going too fast for too long, having way too many programs running in their head and the computer crashes. And they end up doing something stupid because they get so, uh, so stressed out. Like, you know, I, I do this men's group with men who are violent and frequently they're on drugs and um, they're, they're a mess and their life is a mess. And they've usually alienated their family and their loved ones. And they've got a probation officer that's not very um, enamored with them. And they have this whole world where nobody supports them. So one of the guys the other day, he just like, he refused to, he just wasn't slowing down. And when people come to our program, if they don't slow down, I know that something's not right. But, you know, I didn't know him. We would do a drug test on him to see if he was using. No, 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 he wasn't. As it turned out, he was. And um, it was interesting because he got in a fight his brother got put in jail and he was there for two weeks. So when he came out, suddenly he was a much calmer version of himself. His thoughts were so much quieter and he was present. He was able to listen to me. And, and then he got himself all worked up again about a court appearance. He had to go and he decided that he said he heard this voice screaming in his head that he needed to get out of the courthouse. So he, he dug out, before they even called him, which of course is making things 10 times worse. So he gets all upset. He's upset all day. He calls me finally at eight o'clock at night. And, and I said, well, look, you can't run. I said, where are you going to run to? We live on an island. There's nowhere to go. They're going to find you sooner or later. You can't do that. And, and I said, so what you got to do is just go tomorrow. Tell them you got freaked out and find out what happened. And, and so the next day he calls me. Or he, he, I actually sent him a text and he responds and he says, oh, it was just a TRO hearing. I didn't need to be there at all. And, and <laughs> so I said, oh, you're funny. I said, look how, look what you did in your mind. Look how you overthought that to the nth degree, scared yourself half to death, had yourself in prison, actually thought about killing yourself because you didn't want to go to prison. What if you'd killed yourself? Like that's making your thinking way too much. He goes, boy, I really think too much. And I said, yes, you do. Now you can see that because you're sober. Mm -hmm. When you're going a million miles an hour, you don't see it. You can't see it. So frequently people kind of bristle when we tell them like, you know, you're thinking too much. You have to relax and quiet down Mm -hmm. a little bit. But when they see it, like he saw it, right? And so hopefully he'll start getting better now. Yeah. Well, he'll feel better. And then, of course, the thing that I've seen with some of my clients is they finally quiet down and they get into a much nicer feeling and they're relaxed and they're at ease. And, you know, they they say, oh, I feel like I'm taking a warm bath. This is beautiful. And then they go, how long is it going to last? Is this what you're talking about? Is this the feeling I'm supposed to have? How did I get it? How did that happen? Oh, how do I, what happens if I lose it? How do I get it back? And it's gone. Yeah. And yeah. that, that, that of all the things that I see clients do, I mean, it's happened before my eyes so many times. And I, of course, I don't want to answer the questions and get into a big discussion while they're, in, while they're in analysis in their own mind. 
So I have to start all over again. Okay, let's just quiet down. You know, let's just relax. You don't need to answer those questions right now. And then they get back in the feeling and then they start, well, yeah, I wish I could find this feeling with my boyfriend or I wish I could find this feeling when I'm trying to parent my little child. And, and then they start on the train again. And that's another form of overthinking. Is It's like as soon as you're in the present moment, fully at peace in that moment, because we're always safe in the moment, you start thinking, well, what about the next moment? What's going to happen then? Because that's just a habit. It's a really bad habit that so many people have. You know, I think that for me, that seems to me like it's the thought thermostat. Yeah. That when your mind is set on high for thinking, right? So you're just processing, processing, going over details, worrying about things, going, you know, thinking about what you have to do, what's coming up, all these things you have to do. You set it because you get used to living there at this level yeah. of, of, of speed. And then when you start to quiet down, even for a moment, it's like the thermostat comes on and a thought pops in your head and you go with it. You start paying attention to it. And you start thinking about it. And so what, what happens is that we kind of sabotage ourselves because we don't know that that fear level or the insecurity level that we were living at is really what we programmed. It's not because of our job or our, high, or our uh, wife or our life or anything else. It's just that's the kind of thinking that we did. Like I remember when I was a young therapist, I I remember before I learned the principles and I remember I was walking into a room and the thought came in my head was what a, where why am I in such a hurry and I feel that I was like being like hurried along in life and I remember thinking like I have no idea and then thought oh okay and then back to it I just like went back into that thinking like you know, of course, keep doing it because I didn't a know what wisdom was, and but I'm, I'm always um, uh, reminded of how we do know. But because we're, and that's a beautiful thing about the principles is that by people understanding how it works, when that happens, they can listen to it. Mm-hmm. Not knowing it, it still happens, but you don't know until later right. on. You know, and then you go, oh, yeah, I wish I had done that or I shouldn't have said that. Or in some yeah. way, you know, you kind of catch up with yourself. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. When I when I was in business, as I was just stumbling into the principles, I, I had a really bad habit of analysis paralysis, you know, basically, can you get into it? Because I used to. I write pretty fast and I used to be a writer before I did what I was doing. So I would do these reports for clients and I would just write whatever came to mind. You know, I was fully prepared. I had looked at their practice or whatever the problem was. And I would write something. It'd be three or four pages, which is what these generally were. And, but I could never just send it to them. You know, I'd write it and then I think, what did I forget? What did I miss? How did I, maybe I should look at this again. Is that the right word? Are they going to understand this? Maybe I should add something. And I would spend hours going over and over something and, and actually make very few changes ultimately because when I was inspired to write it, I was using my wisdom and I was just in a zone where I could write it. And then after I wrote it, I started second guessing it. 
is it good enough? Are they going to like it? Is this going to work? Maybe I should have done this. And you can do that. I, there is no end to it. And I remember telling one of my employees one time, gosh, it takes me so long to finish these reports. It really, I kind of spend so much time on it. And she said to me, why? You're a really good writer. And I said, yeah, I know, but I, I have to really think carefully about that. And, and she said, oh, okay. You know, I mean, because we live in a world in which overthinking is kind of, oh, yeah, of course, she's smart. She's going to overthink it. You know? <laughs> like, that's a good thing. And the first thing that happened when I got into the principles for me was that all of a sudden, I just wrote the reports. And if I was inspired when I sat down to write it and I felt good about it, I just sealed it up in the envelope and sent it out. You know? <laughs> and I never had a client call me up and ask me a question. <laughs> All these things that I'd made up that the clients are not going to get this or no, this is too, you know, this is too complicated. I should have put this in there. None of that ever, never even occurred. And I, I used to laugh at myself when I first saw this because I thought, oh my God, I've wasted so much time. And I think for a lot of people that overwork and go back on Saturdays and work late at night, that's really what's going on. It's not that their job is more than an eight hour a day job. It's just their thinking is more than eight hours a day thinking. Yeah. yeah. And, and frequently people are like thinking in triplicate. You know, right. like as, to me, it's like they got all, all the burners of the stove going with people, things boiling over on all of them. Yeah. You know, because you, you, can, you know, when you're a smart person, especially people who are highly intelligent have the hardest time with this because they can process all that. And, yeah. and, and so they feel a sense of um, security in thinking, which mm -hmm. when you think about it, it'd be like putting security in the hands of Siri. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're just going over it with your own memory and you're yeah. of what you've already learned. There's nothing new there. So if there's something that you need to do differently, you're not going to find it in your intellect. You've got to see it differently from that state of mind when you're in a, in a good place. And so when you clear your mind of all of the, those memories and the processing, and, you know, it's like we rearrange the memories, we, you know, change the color of them, we do all kinds of things, but it's still just known thought. And the reason you go round and round and round in the details is because you're in a loop, just like on the computer, you know, the little kaleidoscope that goes round and round. It's like there's no answer, but you keep thinking because nobody tells us you're just thinking too much nobody yeah, says and, i'm sorry chris okay. if, if, as you were talking i think the thing that occurred to me is that we don't know the difference we don't appreciate the difference between thinking a lot and thinking hard and getting into that analytical whirlwind and being inspired and having a wise thought and following up on it it's such a different feeling. And a lot of people get frightened by wisdom, in a sense, because it seems so easy. Yeah. I really think that's true. That the habitual overthinkers, you know, when something occurs to them and it just seems like in that moment they go, oh, yeah, that's the answer. And then that intellect kicks in and goes, well, maybe it's not. There could be a better answer. You haven't thought about it enough. Maybe you should analyze that answer. There's probably a flaw in there. <laughs> and then they just start off to the races. And I think and and that that should be a signal. You know, when you feel yourself 
inspired by something to just leave it alone and stay in that quiet space and see what develops from it rather than letting the intellect jump in and start saying, oh, no, 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 not so fast. You shouldn't take that first idea is never the best idea, you know, and all of those are, are that is such a different, then you get frantic and you start overthinking. And I, I, I really did not appreciate, I, I, when I was writing my book, I, I remember thinking of so many times in my life when I had a really great idea out of the blue and kind of thought it was luck, dumb luck. And it was never about anything that was so important that I had to overthink it. And I would say, well, I'll try that. Why not? And they always worked out. And it never dawned on me that I could do that all the time if I was quiet. It never dawned on me until I learned the principles and I thought, oh my God, I miss this completely yeah. because I just did not appreciate the feeling. Yeah. And, you know, they've done studies of people that you're literally your IQ drops when you're stressed. And what does overthinking do it, is it creates stress. And yeah. so you're trying to be smart by overthinking and you're actually doing the opposite. It's right. Kind of the story of our podcast, right? Like we're yeah. all, we're doing everything backwards. Um, you know, the, the other thing too, I think, is that when we live in a world of overthinkers, it's so easy to get on the bandwagon. You know, it's, you know, because we get insecure. We're afraid that we're going to miss something or we're going to make a mistake or something bad's going to happen. And that insecurity just keeps the, the processing going. And, when everybody else is doing the same thing, it kind of feels like, yeah, I, I should be. In fact, I remember thinking that, like, mm -hmm. uh, shouldn't I be worrying about this? You know, I'm not worried about it. At first, it was like, oh, oh, I'm not worried about this. Is, is there something wrong with me? And my mother, my mother said to me, she said, she's always on my case. You know, you're working too much. You're working too much. So when I started learning this, I was really, really could see that my mind was going way too fast and that I'd created a world out of that busy-mindedness that was keeping me busy-minded, right? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I've got to really slow down. So I stopped working so much and my mother comes and now she's concerned, you're not working enough. Shouldn't you be working more? I was like, <laughs> you know, it, it's just that we don't live in a world where people go, oh, I'm going to go take the weekend off and relax and see if I come up with a good idea. Now, that's truly the way we should be living. But you mm -hmm. very seldom, I mean, companies go on retreats and what do they do? They got their people working the whole time, like 24 hours practically, 10 hours a, a day, and then people go on and get drunk afterwards. And it, it's just that, like retreat is a good idea, but because we haven't understood this, we think it's an, a, a way to be productive, which it is, but it's productive because you're not thinking about stuff. That's right. You're getting new ideas and reflecting and, and waiting for inspiration. And it's funny that you mentioned then they go out and drink afterwards because I think for a lot of people, drinking is the only solution to quieting down enough to go to sleep at night. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Drinking or medication, you know, psychotropic medication so I can sleep at night because I'm going so fast. Right. And, you know, it's kind of like you had to slow down to the speed of life. I think our mm -hmm. colleague 
Bailey wrote a book called that, Slowing Down yeah. to the Speed of Life. But really, it's true. The speed of life is very calm and quiet. And when you're there, you create a world from that feeling, if you're wise. If you're trying to fit in uh, to your life um, some way to reduce your stress or burnout, you're kind of adding more into it. In fact, Judy and I, we talked at, at a conference in Hawaii about having joy in, um, in your work. And, you know, the whole conference was about what techniques and rituals you should do to, for self-care. Yeah. And um, you don't have to do self-care if you've created a life that's calm and you're listening to yourself when you do too much and you cut back and you rest. But like people want to get everything done and then they'll rest, but they keep thinking of things to do. So there's no ever, you never get to the end of it. <laughs> right. There is no end to it. It was funny because I also, years ago, I used to do a group called Rediscover Joy. And I, it was all adult women. It was a women's center and they were all, you know, mothers and busy people and professional women and, and women that were struggling with life, all that, everybody had something going. And people would come in and go, I've come to this group because I don't even know what joy is. And I can't remember. I would say, well, can you remember the last time you felt joyful? And for a lot of them, they would go back and say, yeah, maybe when I was six you know, and that is so I think that people, when you talk about the word joy as a as a life, as a life fact, you know, to just be joyful and enjoy what you're doing and enjoy your friends and family and enjoy everything. Um, they're like, well, yeah, that's good when you're a kid, but it's not responsible. <laughs> and, and really, the most responsible thing we can do, honestly, is to calm down listen for our wisdom, act on wisdom. Don't ignore the busy-minded thoughts that come afterwards telling you not to act on wisdom and learn to listen to the right voice, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Learn to listen to the right voice and then just enjoy your life. And, and you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Nope. You, know, you don't have to do everything you think of. Because when your mind's going, you're going to think of more things to do than you can get done, and you'll be on that treadmill again. Right. So if you have like compulsive behaviors, if you're a compulsive overeater, or you're uh, compulsively using drugs or alcohol, or mm -hmm. you're not in a healthy, happy, secure, peaceful state of mind, right. chances are the problem is you think too much. Yep. And as you wake up to that and calm down, you'll discover your life will, will not fall apart. Bad things will not happen. You will not lose your job. And you'll actually do a lot better at whatever you do. And you'll enjoy it. And we can both speak to that because we would say that we're much more productive than we were when we were overthinkers. And our lives are full of joy. That's right. That's right. That's the, That's a... Uh, that's a gift of this understanding and, and looking at life from the opposite direction than you've looked at it. Right. So you slow down to do more. It's really simple. So that is what we wish for all of you for your new year. Happy new year. And I hope you have a year filled with joy. Aloha. 
We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 